Welcome to the Denver Gazette Sports Podcast. I am your host, Chris Schmedeke, and today we are brought to you by Applewood Plumbing, Heating, and Electric. They have been serving Denver residents for 50 years. They are the proud sponsor of the Colorado Avalanche, and they are the proud sponsor of this podcast, where today I am joined by Chris Thomason to break down the Broncos' crazy 24-22 win over the Buffalo Bills. Chris, have you recovered from your trip to Buffalo and just the insanity of that game? That was quite uh, the game. And, you know, I think I was on deadline at the end with like three different stories and having no idea who was going to win. And then Will Lutz misses the first field goal, so I go back to writing. Okay, they lost. Oh, wait a minute, penalty flag. Okay, they maybe they're going to win now. So, yeah, it was a uh, crazy ending. And, uh, you know, after blowing a couple close games uh, at the start of the season, uh Broncos finally got a last second one to go their way. So the Broncos moved to four and five with this win. Um, the, the the bottom of the AFC, besides like the really bad teams, is kind of a mess. It's very, very jam-packed, but the Broncos are right there now. So three straight wins. Can you feel something kind of turning in that locker room a little bit? Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Uh, the team is playing much better, and they've gotten – players back from injury i mean uh, they had not a single player on the injury report entering the buffalo game pj Locke hurt his ankle we'll see have to see what happens there but kareem jackson is back so he'll move into the starting lineup so they seem to uh have a wave of momentum and what's kind of funny is that uh i think we might have even talked about it here i was referencing the Buffalo game, I was saying, well, that could be a tough one. But then they got three winnable games in a row against Minnesota, Cleveland, and Houston. And then now all of a sudden, Minnesota has turned things around with Joshua Dobbs having replaced Kirk Cousins. Cleveland's coming off an impressive win over Baltimore, although they now don't have Deshaun Watson for the rest of the season. And we've seen what Houston's doing under uh, – cj stroud so those games become tougher but i think all of those teams are kind of uh uh, similar and those games could go either way well i was going to bring up the schedule later but let's go ahead and talk about it now because it's the broncos have to win these home games these next two i mean they don't have to but these are two winnable games and especially um it was announced the browns are going to start uh dorian thompson robinson or i think i got the names right there Uh, it's not pj walker it's the other guy um that's going to start for cleveland at least this week so, you know, the Broncos have a chance to kind of get going here. And, you know, you and I talked about six and six being a real possibility. I mean, now they got a chance to be six and five going into that Houston game. And, you know, the Houston's a young team. We don't, they're on a roll. Can the Broncos defense get to them? So the Broncos have a real opportunity here. Yeah. And there's added emphasis now on uh, tiebreakers obviously minnesota's in the nfc but then you got cleveland that's a team they could be fighting with potentially for a playoff berth tiebreaker comes into effect and then you got uh, houston tiebreaker could come into effect and as crazy as it sounds the buffalo they've got the buffalo tiebreaker i mean the bills are only a half game ahead of the broncos they're five and five and the broncos are four and five so yeah, they uh, if they continue to play good ball, I mean, there's still a lot of teams that got a leapfrog in the AFC, but uh, the playoffs would not be unreasonable. 
So let's talk about Monday's game. Um, so the Broncos forced four turnovers, uh, two on the first two drives of the game, one on the first play of the game. Uh, unfortunately, Denver only turns that into six points. But this defensive turnaround has been very – has been amazing, honestly, in the last couple of weeks from where they were. So – First of all, how I mean, how much credit does Vance Joseph get? And also, how much does this have to do with having the finally the right guys on the field? Well, I wrote a little bit about the turnaround in uh, today's Gazette. And basically, the key was players remained confident. They kept practicing hard. I mean, at one and five, everybody thought that the season was over. I mean, including at 0-3, they yeah. people thought that the season was over, especially after losing 70 to 20 to Miami. But they stayed the course. They got some key players back due to injury. And uh yeah, you got to give some credit for Vance Joseph. He never panicked. He remained on an even keel and uh it all kind of started in a loss Thursday night, October 12th at Kansas City. 19 to 8, but the defense played really well that night. And then the defense continued to play well. And now they've won three straight. So the defense has been strong four games in a row. And and how much, I mean, do you think this turnaround has to do with, you know, they go with the younger guys at pass rusher. They get rid of Frank Clark. They get rid of Randy Gregory. And then they switched to Fabian Moreau at the other corner. And, I mean, he's made plays all over the place. And they switched to Nickelback to – uh McMillan, I, I, Joe Buck was saying it differently. I think it's McMillan, right? <laughs> they just call him J-Mac. But okay, so J-Mac. Well, let's go with J-Mac as well. But, you know, it seems like Sean Payton and the team as a whole has kind of pushed the right buttons on the defense as well with some of these player switches. Yeah, they absolutely have. The lineup changes have worked quite, quite well. And now, I mean, Baron Browning actually is starting over Nick Benito because – Benito came in for um, Randy Gregory and boom, had that great game against the bears, but Benito has the type of temperament that he's not going to complain that he's technically not starting. So they've got a nice rotation there at outside linebacker. I mean, Benito's still getting plenty of snaps, but let me make another point how much the offense has helped the defense in terms of the running game, controlling the clock. They had 40 carries against Kansas City, kept the ball away from Patrick Mahomes. Then they got 38 carries against uh, the Bills, helped keep the ball away from Josh Allen. So that in effect, and uh, Russell Wilson is playing in a conservative manner, but, you know, it has been working. All of that is helping out the defense. Yeah, I was going to jump to the offense next, and that's, you know, like you said, 40 or 38 carries in Monday's win. Russell Wilson did throw the ball 29 times, but they had those drives where they had to get down the field. So that made a little bit more sense. But the offense is, I mean, they probably pretty much did everything they wanted on Monday except score more points. I wrote that in our report card. Like, they, they definitely could have scored more points. But, you know, what if, is this just, this is their philosophy now? Is there going to be more ball control? <laughs> Does Sean Payton really like that or is it just like the fact that they're winning? Yeah, I mean, uh, Sean Payton has always been about solid running game. It's just that Drew Brees still put up fantastic stats and that overshadowed when uh, Saints backs were doing pretty well. I mean, he's always has wanted to, um, you know, establish the run to 
set up to pass, which is a, a mantra that obviously many teams follow. Um, you know, Russell Wilson's not putting up the crazy numbers that uh, Drew Brees did, of course, and I don't think he's going to in this offense. And he's got good receivers, but uh, he doesn't have game breakers and unless they decide that Marvin Mims indeed still is on the roster and they try to uh, get the ball to him. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think just trying to win any way they can and the formula has kind of worked uh, the last two weeks against named teams in the NFL, Kansas City and Buffalo. There's no reason to uh, change it, I wouldn't think, heading into Sunday's game against Minnesota. So you mentioned Marvin Mims, who doesn't see the ball on offense except if it's a bad trick play that it seems to get busted but he did win AFC special teams player of the week uh just this morning without his two returns the Broncos may not win that game on Monday yeah two returns for 44 yards in the game a kickoff return for 31 I mean you just look at his special teams numbers they're eye-popping he's averaging 20.7 yards per punt return 33.1 kickoff return he doesn't have enough uh returns yet only nine Pun returns and seven kickoff returns to qualify among the league leaders. But, you know, if he did, he'd be right there at the top. Uh, yeah, he's um, turned out, even if he doesn't catch that many more balls, I mean, he's turned out to be quite a fine second round pick. And going back to April, that was one of the major reasons that they drafted him. I mean, I don't know if they thought he was going to make a major contribution right away on offense because obviously they had Tim Patrick then as well before he suffered a season ending injury but he was uh drafted with the thinking he's going to be a returner in his first year and, a, and an ineffective one and he has been effective obviously well, let's go back to Russ a little bit there was some Russ magic in this game there was the fourth down play with the great catch by Corlin Sutton that scored the Broncos touchdown there were those plays where he escaped the pocket and kind of just flipped it to uh, the Samaje Pirine sighting as he, he made some big plays down the field, but also like Russ was efficient. Um, and, you know, he was still sacked four times, but two touchdowns, no picks. I, I, I feel like this, I mean, this is just what Russell Wilson is now, right? Yeah. We keep bringing up, bringing up game manager. I mean, yeah. that's pretty much uh what he is but uh for you pro football historians bob greasy in the 70s was a game manager and he's in the pro football hall of fame so uh hey not uh not all that bad at all and uh he seems to be fine and content that he's not putting up gaudy numbers but uh his passer rating is excellent and you mentioned some of those key plays the other day. I mean, that was uh, one of the more spectacular plays of the season, the fourth and two play yeah. to Cortland Sutton, seven yard line, and he's drifting like way back and looks like he's just chucking it up in desperation into the end zone and boom, lo and behold, touchdown pass. Well, you know, and even on that final drive where, you know, he gets sacked on second down, right? I, I can't remember. No, yeah, second down. And then he throws the ball up to Judy on third down under the same pressure. You know, yeah, the throw didn't get there, but he still made the right play. And I, and I, I mean, it was nice to see him get rid of the ball when he needed to, because if, if they take another sack there, that game's over. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, a penalty turned out to be the key play, yeah. obviously, in, in that final drive. And, uh, uh, you know, he laid it up there. They got the pass interference call, 28-yard pass interference, and uh, that set up the two attempts for the yeah. winning field goal. So obviously, the penalty on the Bills, 12 men on the field. And uh, so – the Broncos can thank the Bills for some uh, self-destruction there at the end of the game. But, uh, you know, earlier this season, it was the Broncos self-destructing. So uh, I'm going to ask you about special teams a little bit because it was a very up-and-down day on special teams for the Broncos on Monday. You know, like we talked about Mims having the good returns. Uh, Will Lutz did technically go four for four in field goals, even though he did miss the winner. And then, But, you know, they had a, the missed extra point and the botched snap. and I feel like with the Broncos right now, their margin of error is not very big and that could have killed them. It didn't, but I'm just saying like their margin of error is so slim that stuff like that can really hurt a team, this team. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. I mean, things would have changed with Buffalo going for a two point conversion, but those uh, like they did earlier in the game, but those botched extra points, they were down by one entering that uh, frantic uh, last drive and turn those around and they're up by one. Yeah. So that'll be plenty of emphasis this week. Um, we'll have to see. I mean, Lutz, you said was four and four out of four. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, Sean Payton was hailing him as he could become an all time great as a kicker, but still he has those moments where you're like, Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, and he also had the block kick the other, the other week, but that wasn't really his fault. But yeah, the, the Riley Dixon thing was a perfect snap. I mean, he just dropped it, you know, those things happen and uh, they'll just continue to do uh, reps and uh, hopefully they, for the, for the Broncos sake, they won't happen again. What did you think of them going straight fire drill on both those field goals at the end of the first half and at the end of the game? Um, I thought it was an uh, interesting um, strategy, but it's obviously – I mean, Sean Payton kind of mostly just shrugged it off, saying all you need is 17 seconds, and we had 23. So, uh, you know, they practiced that stuff regularly. And if you think about it, if you spiked uh, the ball just to stop the clock, so you're giving uh, Josh Allen – I don't know, you know – six 15 16 seconds and everybody kind of harkens back to what the chiefs were able to do a couple of years ago in the playoffs getting downfield against the bills so uh and obviously josh allen has a very strong arm so you know overall it seemed to be okay strategy although it was interesting how will lutz did admit after the game that he kind of rushed it a little bit when he didn't have to i mean he kicked the first one with the clock moving in seven seconds left. Uh, so, you know, I think you talked a lot. You talked to your field goal unit and you find out if, uh, how comfortable they are. Because obviously he missed the first attempt. <laughs> right. right. All right. So let's uh, move on to the Vikings. Uh, Sunday night football in Denver this coming weekend, uh, a game you and I probably thought was going to be flexed a couple weeks ago, but now, Two of the hottest teams in the NFL will match up on Sunday Night Football. Um, you know, 
you know the Vikings as well as anybody from your time at in St. Paul. So what, what do the Broncos have coming into Denver this week? Well, it's two similar teams that have turned their seasons around. I mean, uh, in improbable fashion for different reasons. I mean, the Broncos, one in five, have won three straight, and nobody ever thought that would happen, especially with a 70-20 to 20 loss to Miami in their rearview mirror. The Vikings started out one in four, and then they lose Kirk Cousins for the season. So nobody thinks that they're going to win five in a row, the last two with Joshua Dobbs as a quarterback. So that's what's happened. So two uh, kind of improbable stories. And when the game was elected not to be flexed, some people thought, yeah, that's not a very attractive Sunday night matchup. But uh, now it's turned out to be a pretty darn good game. And uh, the Broncos now are starting to become – a bit of a story. So uh, maybe they'll have a future game now flexed to Sunday night rather than away from Sunday night. Oh, well, I didn't even think about that, but that is a possibility. Um, they still have one more primetime game. That game against New England on Christmas Eve is a primetime game. So that's, uh, I don't know about that one, but I don't know if they can, can they flex that one? Is that No, one? that's unflexible. That's uh, they're uh, stuck with that one. And uh, we'll just have to see who the uh, Patriots head coach is for that one. <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> and then the Vikings may get Justin Jefferson back, right? We haven't heard yet. But. I, I, I anticipate that he will play on uh, Sunday. I mean, they listed him as questionable for this past weekend's game. That might have been more gamesmanship just to give uh, the um, Saints something to think about. But, um, yeah, I would – unless he has a setback in practice this week, I would think he'll play on Sunday against Denver. You know, so you, you and I talked about the schedule earlier already. Like you said, they have Minnesota this Sunday. Uh, then they have Cleveland coming here with no Deshaun Watson. Then there's that three-game road trip, Houston, L.A., Detroit. Whenever the Broncos go to L.A., it seems like a Broncos home game at times. Um, so I don't know. <laughs> like, And they always seem to win there. But, you know, they have to – you know, they play the Chargers twice and the Raiders one more time. And like you said, Cleveland and Houston, this sets up – for the Broncos to chase people down and, you know, they just have to, they definitely have to win their home games and, you know, maybe actually beat the Raiders for the first time in a long time. But this set, I don't think this could set up any better for the Broncos, even starting one and five. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And uh, the chargers are kind of a bit of a mystery team. I mean, they're much better than their record shows and they, have the tendency to not win uh, close games, which is their history. So, and people are grumbling about Brandon Staley. So who knows what sort of shape the chargers will be in when that game arrives. And then we touched upon earlier that uh, the Minnesota Cleveland and Houston games all are a bit tougher, but there's so many teams all kind of jumbled together that are similar. And you can now maybe throw the Broncos into that particular jumble but uh, what the Broncos need to do, and you touched upon it earlier, is to reclaim that home field yeah. advantage long term over what they're famous for. I mean, uh, they've won now two home games in a row. They lost their first three. And I wrote about how they were trying to avoid the first 0-4 home start in the 64-year history of the franchise. So uh, they got that. 
monkey off their back. I mean, that's kind of been the theme lately, getting monkeys off their back. They avoided an 0-4 home start. They broke a 16-game losing streak to the Chiefs, and then they broke a seven-game Monday night football losing streak. So uh, we'll have to try to think of some kind of streak they're trying to break this Sunday. So, and, and they also broke some, they had one in Buffalo since like 06 or something, right? Uh, yeah, it'd been a while. So yeah. Think <laughs> of a, a, a streak against the, uh, the Vikings. I can't remember the last time they played the Vikings. Um, Actually uh, I do. I was there. It was 2019. The, in Minnesota, the Broncos led 20 to nothing that's, at halftime. That's right. And, and blew it and lost. That's right. That's right. I couldn't remember when that game was. So, and, and you know, I think the next streak they have to probably break is if the is the Raiders on the last week of the season because they haven't beat them in a in a while now either. Um, but the Raiders yeah, are playing straight, better. Seven straight losses there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Raiders are playing better since they got rid of McDaniel's, which most teams do. So, um, all right, Chris. Uh, thanks for coming on and talking about this. I didn't think a couple weeks ago we'd be talking about you know the Broncos going on this run, but things have definitely changed a bit uh so thanks again for coming on uh make sure you subscribe to this podcast on apple and spotify check out all of chris's broncos coverage at denvergazette.com as well as all the other teams in the area from everybody and chris we will talk monday morning after a sunday night football game with minnesota so we will talk to you then hey thanks for having me really appreciate it thanks Thank you for listening to the Denver Gazette podcast. Make sure to visit denvergazette.com for all your local news on Broncos, Rockies, Avalanche, Nuggets, and much, much more. We'll talk to you next time.